Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 31st is Matthew chapter 19 and Mark chapter 10, two parallel passages, very similar. And for me, it's helpful when I read them instead of chapter by chapter, paragraph by paragraph. As you compare the two closely in this way, it gives you a more holistic view of what was taking place during Jesus' ministry. Matthew 19 says that Jesus departed from Galilee and went to the region of Judea across the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. In Mark, it says he taught them as was his custom. So he was healing and teaching. Both are true. They're not mutually exclusive. This is not a contradiction. The Pharisees seemed to want to use another opportunity to try and trap Jesus in his words. And so they ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus goes right back to the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 2, when God created Adam and Eve, he made them for each other. There was a picture of two individual people who were both good and yet incomplete on their own. God joined them together to create something wonderful, and they were to help each other. They were to complete one another. This was God's plan. Therefore, what God has put together, men should not separate. Of course, they are prepared for this answer, but why did Moses allow us or even command us to get divorced? But it was not designed that way. God actually hates divorce because it's painful. It causes such agony in the hearts and in the minds of the people going through it, the people affected by it. Think about the children. It hurts. There are deep emotional wounds that come as a result of a dissolution of a marriage. It should not be this way. People should not have to go through that. Additionally, God created us in his image, he wants us to be like him. God keeps his word. When God makes a vow, he keeps it. We should be like him in the same way when we make a vow before God, before witnesses, and to another person, we should keep those vows. Of course, our hearts in Western society today are very hard, just like the Israelites were. And so we are granted divorce. Many religious people would say divorce is always wrong unless there is marital unfaithfulness. If somebody commits adultery, then you can divorce them, but you can never remarry. This is a religious view. We don't get to make blanket statements and say it's always wrong to do this or it's always right to do that. God is sovereign. God is able to do what he wants to do. He's able to give grace where he wants to give grace. He's able to forgive people and restore people and redeem situations where he wants. It also says in, in the, the Hebrew law also stated that if two people were divorced and the woman went and had another relationship, that her first husband could never take her back. And to say in today's society that it would always be wrong for people who were married, who went their separate ways to remarry, is short-sighted. 
there has to be this balance between understanding the truth of God's Word as it is taught in its context and being led by the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, who is our guide into all truth. Religion wants us to create rules and abide by them in order to either earn God's favor or to keep it. We don't ever earn God's favor And we don't keep it by anything that we've done. It's all by faith. It's all by his grace. We see that people were bringing their children to Jesus, that he might touch them, that he might bless them. When Jesus saw that the disciples were getting in the way of him having contact with these children, he was indignant, it says. And he corrected them. He rebuked them and said, let the children come to me this is the way the kingdom of heaven is being disseminated. It belongs to them. In Matthew, it says, after placing his hands on them, he went from there. In Mark, it says, after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. There's power in laying your hands on someone and blessing them. It's something that we should do. It's not complicated and it's not magical but it's powerful. Just place your hand on somebody's head or on their shoulder and say, God bless you. Look them in the eye and mean it. Proclaim the scriptures over them. It's powerful. It's effective. And it will build up the hope of those people you love. He went on from there. The rich young ruler comes up to him. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commands. Don't steal, don't murder, don't defraud your neighbor, honor your father and mother, love people the way you want to be loved. This young man says, I've, I've done all of that. But he must feel as though something is lacking. But there's one thing you lack, young man, Jesus says. For this man was very rich. Rich people tend to accumulate wealth because they value it. They don't squander it. And therefore, they attract it. They make more of it. And it can become an idol. It is an idol for most people. It is the root of all kinds of evil. Jesus says this one thing you lack. You're missing it in one area. Go and sell everything you own. Give your money to the poor and then come follow me. And the man went away sad because he had great riches. He loved the things he owned. Perhaps they were more important to him than eternal life. Jesus uses this conversation, this interaction with the rich young ruler to teach his disciples a lesson. And he says, it's so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's astonishing because the world puts such value on wealth. Like if somebody's rich, they must be lucky. They must be blessed. But of course, there's another side to that. People with a poverty mindset see rich people as evil. And the truth is it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. But if you love riches, that's an idol. And God will not bless you. He will not allow you to have both. He will not allow you to have anything that you value over and above relationship with him and advancing his kingdom. Take care of the riches he's going to impart. 
Riches are like a magnifying glass on your character. And the more he gives you, the more it'll expose who you truly are on the inside. The more wealth you have, the more you'll be able to do what you want. Some people who are listening to this right now will not receive the things they long for when it comes to money and wealth because they cannot handle it. They haven't done the hard work of developing their character and they still want the lust of the flesh. They're still controlled by the things of this world. God loves you and he wants to bless you, but he will not do it at an expense of your soul. He wants to give you good things, but if you can't handle more because it will give you a freedom that you can't handle, you'll have a freedom to do things that will lead you to a path of destruction. God's not going to put you on that. The disciples say, but Jesus, if it's if it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, I mean, that's physically impossible. How is it that anyone can be saved? With God, this is possible. With man, it is impossible. But all things are possible with God. Peter's like, we've, we've left everything and followed you. We left our fishing businesses. We've left our families. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. There is no one who has left their house or their mother or their father or their brother or their sister or their children, or their fields, for my sake, who will not receive a hundred times more now, at this time, in this present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and fields with persecutions, all in this present age, and eternal life in the next age. Some extremists like to pick and choose verses out of the Bible and twist them to make false doctrines. One example of that would be those who focus on this verse a hundred times more in this present age. It's black and white, or red and white, depending on your translation. Jesus said, I will receive a hundred times more, therefore I'm just going to receive it. But you can't exclude all of the rest of what he's saying. Can he trust you with a hundred times more? Have you proven that if he gives you a hundred times more, you're not going to use it to destroy your life and the lives of those around you? God's not going to give you what you can't handle in regard to blessing. Oh, but in regard to affliction and suffering and trial and tribulation, he will give you more than you can handle. He will break you so that you go to him and say, Father, I can't. I can't take it. I need your help. Oh, yes. That's what you need. You need my help. You don't need a million dollars. You need my help. James and John in Mark 10, 35. Remember when you said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find? Whatever you ask for shall be done for you. You remember that? We're going to ask you something. You promised to give us what we want. Can we sit at your right hand and on your left hand? Jesus said, can you drink the cup that I'm being given to drink? Can you undergo the baptism with which I am being baptized? He had just told them he was about to suffer and die. And they say, can we be on either side of you as you do that? Jesus said, you will receive my baptism. You will drink this cup. And yet ultimately, where people are placed in the eternal kingdom of heaven is not mine to give. 
as any of us would be, the other 10 disciples were quite upset when they heard about the request and this conversation between Jesus and James and John. Jesus called them over. He said, you guys don't have the wrong perspective. This is not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. Don't be like the Gentiles or the unbelievers who strive to gain positions of authority so they can use it to advance themselves. It's not that way in the kingdom. The one who wants to be first needs to be last. The greatest one among you needs to become the servant of everyone. I did not come to be served. I came to serve. I came here to die. And by that, all of you and a billion more will live. In Mark's gospel, the next account is a blind man who is given his sight. Jesus says, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? The man says, I want to see. Jesus' response is, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and he began following Jesus on the road. Friends, we all have blind spots. In some way, in some aspect of life, we are all blind and we should all be praying like this blind man, my master, I want to see. I want to see more clearly. Of course, I'm not talking about physical sight. I'm talking about the need to see with clarity about our character, about our devotion to God, about some doctrines that we've allowed to sneak in that are not true. Some of the ways we view God are just wrong. Some of the ways we view ourselves are just wrong. Some of the ways we view other people are just wrong. We're blind in areas. We all have blind spots. And by God's grace, we can all overcome them by faith and humility. May he bless you, my friends. May he make the blind spots areas where you see more clearly for his glory, for the advancement of his kingdom. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow, my friends. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And for those of you who are interested, I'm a real estate broker in Southwest Florida. I'm currently listing homes and helping buyers all around Naples and Fort Myers and the surrounding areas. If you're a real estate professional, I would love to tell you about Call It Closed International Realty, how it might help you advance your business, take it to the next level. Thank you for considering. Check us out at agentdaviddoty.com.